Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. now. On this Monday afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo! Burnsy, what's going on? How's my friend? How you doing? Good weekend? I'm good. No, I rested all week. I, was, I, was, I got really sick on, uh, like, Wednesday. I started to get sick, like... And then uh, did a virtual thing with the doctor. I'm on, the, you know, a bunch of uh, you know medicine, terrible cough and uh, chills and stuff like that. So I just got sick. I worked from home Thursday, Friday, and rested all weekend. I even slept till like twelve o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday. And then I woke up t- today. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go in. I'm going to go in. And I, oh, man, I'm just still uh, kind of sick. So you're not quite there yet. Don't not worry quite about there it, yet. Rush, not yeah. quite there yet. So I mean, unlike the old days, I have this thing at home, so I can work from home even when I'm not feeling good and I'm sick. So I don't have to get you guys sick. And we can still do the show. Um, so that was all the bad news. The good news is I'm in first place in our Arizona sports bracket. How many of your Final Four teams do you have left? I've only lost one. Okay. Um, I think you're the only one that hasn't lost any. I have. I think Wolf has not lost any either, but he's not in the bracket because he forgot to enter his. But the sheet that he's like waving around uh, has everybody still in it. I, I still have all of my Final Four intact. My Sweet 16 is a mess. My Elite 8 isn't super pretty either. But I still have my Final Four in place mm. in Bama, Tennessee, the Zags, and Houston. So maybe yeah, I, I got a shot. We'll see. I've, uh, yeah, so I'm in first place right now. Um, and I still have like three. I've got Bama, Houston, and UCLA, and then Marquette. I had Marquette. Okay. That 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 East bracket just got blown to shreds because I was, man, I was really banking on. I, I picked Purdue out early, but then I had Memphis beating Purdue. I had Duke beating Memphis. So like I had a really good shot there knocking Purdue out early, but but then Memphis lost, and then Duke lost, and so I didn't really gain any on anybody there. So. Um, but I got Houston, UCLA, and Bama. Not that it's um, not that I'm in unique category here or anything, but my West bracket so far is perfect. Yeah. I have picked M- every game right too. in the West bracket. Mine too. You got you had Arkansas over Kansas. Yes. Oh, did you? Okay. I had yeah. Arkansas over yep. Kansas. So there you go. So uh, apparently we know the West because the West, you, neither one of us have gotten a single thing wrong. All right. So Gambo's in first. I'm down the list a little bit, but I still have my final four intact. Unfortunately, that was not the only basketball that we took in this weekend. We've got to talk about that Suns game. It's our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Rebound, Kiltis Alexander, and that'll do it. Thunder win, 124-120, the final in a shootout in Oklahoma City. Man, that was cheap suit fall apart level in the fourth quarter yesterday. Just the threads and everything for the Phoenix Suns. That was a mess. Losing to the Thunder 124-120 after having a 10-point lead with about 10 and a half minutes to go. They go on an 18-2 run over four minutes. It was all fueled by turnovers. And the Suns lose to Oklahoma City by four, Gambo. Not good. Not good. No, they they you know they had a they waste a really good outing by Devin Booker, but you got to close those games out. You know, you start the fourth quarter. Payne gets his first basket of the game. It's a layup. You're up by eight. Then Ross, they get a steal of Dario. Dario starts trying to dribble the ball, and they steal it from him. They go up uh, 100 to 90. 
after that, it was, man, it was Wiggins, it was Giddy, it was Waters, it was Giddy again, and Waters again, and Dort with a three-pointer, and then Joe, Ishmael Joe with a three-pointer off a book miss, and it's 108-102, and yeah, five minutes and 45 seconds left, you're down six after that incredible, you know, run by, by Oklahoma City. Look, this is who this Phoenix Suns team is. It's Devin Booker's, Devin Booker, and a, a lot of spare parts that you're trying to figure out how they fit, you know, with no Durant and no Mikhail and no Cam and no Jay. I mean, it's this is what this team is. That they're 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 a very average. This team, as it's constructed now, is as average to below average as they get. Okay, they're not above average. They're an average basketball team. If this was the team that was going to play 82 games, they'll probably go 40 and 42 because you can only ride Booker so much because there's just not enough around him to get this team to be a good basketball team. Yeah, I got a real sense watching yesterday's game that Monty was trying as long as he could to not put Booker back in that game just to because all the talk about all the minutes that he's played, you don't want to wear him out, and eventually he just had to do it. But that run, I mean, it was a block of Jock Landale, and it was a tour. Corey Craig bad pass, and it was a Terrence Ross bad pass, and it was an offensive foul on Damian Lee. It was just turnover after turnover after turnover, and it happened so quick, and it turned around so fast. Devin Booker had a turnover that led to an Aaron Wiggins basket, and, and it just it was this blast of awful basketball from the Suns, which is these live ball turnovers. Where what was it? Thirty one points off of fourteen turnovers yes. by Oklahoma City, yeah, and, yeah. and the shame yeah. of it was that I mean. We'll get into Devin Booker and some of the stuff we didn't like in the next segment, okay? Because we're going to talk about the officiating and the fouls and all that stuff because there's been a lot of conversation about that today. God, Devin Booker played his butt off yesterday. 46 points on only 28 shots. He was 3 of 7 from distance. He scored 9 of the Suns' last 11 points. Gambo, in March, he's shooting. Remember, he's not an interior player. He's a guard. He's shooting 57% in the month of March. He is trying to will this team to win, yeah. but he is not enough. He And he's out there by himself a lot of these times. You're right, because... At 108-102, we're like we're in the front around the five minute mark. Book hits two free throws. Um, you know, makes it 108 104. Um, and then Book scores on a driving layup. And it, that's 106. And then Chris Paul hits a three pointer, 109. And then Book scores on a dunk. Uh, makes it one one nineteen one eleven and book scores on a pull up one nineteen one thirteen okay it's all Devin Booker right now and then at some point in that game with twenty one point five seconds left and the Suns were down by four Paul misses a shot and then um, the ball goes off a of giddy they you know they was they they reviewed it they looked at it and they, they and then the Suns get the ball back in it with twenty one point five seconds left down four Ish Wainwright takes the three and misses it now you'd want just about anybody else besides Ish to take that shot, right? But Ish ended up taking the shot. Now, this is the confidence they have in him and everybody around them. If you got an open shot, you got to take it. But you do think at the end of a basketball game like that, with Booker being hot, like, man, I've got to set a screen. I've got to call a play. I've got to free something up for Book. 
and they weren't able to do that. And the guy who took the big shot in the game was Ish Wainwright. It didn't happen to go in. And then, you know, Jalen Williams hits a free throw and it's up by, and it's five point lead with 21 seconds left and the game's over. Yeah. And the shame of it was is that it felt like for the most part, the Suns were in control of that game almost the entire contest. I mean, they, there were moments and there are a couple moments in particular. I'm glad, I'm glad Kellen Olsen in his write up for this on Arizona Sports.com, I'm glad he reminded me that there were these little pockets at the end of the first quarter, Oklahoma City went on a 9 2 run. At the end of the third quarter, Oklahoma City went on a 5 nothing run. That's 14 to 2 over a minute and a half worth of game time, where just when you thought the Suns were in a position to blow them out, they ended those two quarters so poorly. They just kind of, and now the Suns eventually, each time, built their lead back up to double digits, but they just got kind of sloppy and lazy at the end of the first quarter and the third quarter. I thought that hurt them, but the sloppiness, it was really evident in the fourth quarter of that game. All of those loose ball turnovers, all those live ball turnovers, I should say. And now the Suns have lost four of their last five. And it, it, this is to, to sit back, and we'll do this a little later on in the show, but to sit back and look at the Western Conference, to look at where the Suns are, to look at how clingy it feels like they're trying to hold on to that four seed in the Western Conference despite everything going on around them. It's the schedule is doing them no favors. I mean, Oklahoma City has everything to play for. Next up, it's the Lakers. They have everything to play for. After that, it's Sacramento. They have everything to play for. There are very few breaks for the Suns here on out, Gambo. And we're all just waiting. When is Kevin Durant walking through that door? It feels like they're waiting. When is Kevin Durant walking through that door, right? There was a report today from Shams that it might be the end of the month, the end of March, when Kevin Durant comes walking through that door, which would fit in with all the timelines so far that we heard about him a couple of weeks ago. It can't happen soon enough for this team right now. Can't. Well, I mean, he's, he's going to have to be the savior, and there's going to be a lot on his shoulders yes. to try to, you know, uh, you know, lead this team to victories when he's only played three games with them all year, and he's only played a handful of games so far uh, since mid-January because of the injuries that he's had, and the injury and then uh, uh, the ankle injury. So you're asking a lot of the guy, but that, he's he's the only thing, he's the only hope they have. I mean, they, they can't go anywhere with the roster the way it is right now without him. I mean, we're seeing that. We're seeing that, right? They they lost to Sacramento, and they lost to Golden State, and they lost to Milwaukee, and they lost to Oklahoma City, and Orlando came down to what, the last possession? Yes. Last possession against Orlando. This team's not a good team right now. Okay, it's not a good team. Kevin Durant changes things. The question is, is he, does Kevin Durant alone coming back make you better than a lot of these other teams? And I think we felt really good in the three games he played, but they really didn't play anybody, right? They didn't play anybody. Who'd they play? They played Charlotte. Uh, they played Dallas, who wasn't really you know, Chicago. together. You, they played Chicago, Chicago. in the middle. Yeah, they didn't play anybody good. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you know. It's, it's, I, I question it now. Is Kevin Durant enough to to make them the leaders in the in the clubhouse to win the, to win the West? I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, that wasn't the only thing to not like about yesterday's loss. We got to talk about the officiating, and we got to talk about why the Suns are so reliant on getting good calls from the officials. Because man, did they make us think about it yesterday. We'll talk about it next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, back here with you on the Burns and Gambo show coming off of a Suns loss yesterday to the Oklahoma City Thunder, one that has left them 
precariously holding on to a half-game lead for the fourth seed in the Western Conference. The LA Clippers are just a half-game back. Dallas Mavericks are two games back. They're sitting in six. The Suns still with a two-and-a-half-game lead over the Golden State Warriors for that first play-in spot. Thank goodness Golden State's still on the road, where they are now 7-29 and on the season. They just can't win. We'll get into the Western Conference stuff a little bit later, because they play tonight. Yeah. There's a bunch of big games in the West. You need, you need a hero, Bernsey. I know you're holding out for a I hero. Am, I am holding out for a hero. And, and maybe Until the end of the night. Maybe it is Kevin Durant, who Sham Sharania said on a FanDuel TV show that Durant is doing more and more on the court after his ankle sprain that he suffered a week and a half ago. Sharania thinks that there will be an update on KD's status later this week and early next week. They're still looking like it's going to be in the range of two to three weeks. I mean, honestly, if he's available sometime in the next 10 days, that would kind of line up with what we all thought it was going to be when he got hurt. And I am. I'm holding out for a hero for this Suns team to walk in because right now they are holding on for dear life in the Western Conference to keep from plunging into that play-in tournament. we got to talk about the fouls, though. Let's talk about the fouls. And, and, let's, and before we get into that, let's talk about Monty after yesterday's game saying very clearly when the game was done, the loss is on me. And I want to start with this, and then we'll get into the fouls. The loss is on me for not figuring out the right defensive rotations against a small ball team like Oklahoma City. Here's what Monty said. This one's on me. i got to get guys in the game um, that can create a rhythm, especially on defense. We're we're giving up way too many 30-point quarters consecutively, and that's on me. I have to figure out the guys who can play together defensively as opposed to relying on the starters to increase the momentum from an offensive and defensive standpoint, but getting guys who come into the game that understand what we do defensively. I don't know if you noticed this yesterday, Gambo. A lot of grumpy fans on social media about Monty and his rotations yesterday. He was just trying to find the right combination against Oklahoma City, and he never quite could. Started the fourth quarter with Payne, Damian Lee, Tory Craig, Jacques Landell, and Ross. No Booker, no Paul. No Booker, no Paul. They go on this run, 18-2. to um, It was actually a 10-0 run with the bench guys. It was a 10-0 run. Again, Cameron Payne, backup point guard. Damian Lee, backup shooting guard. Tory Craig, traditional bench player. Jock Landel, your second or third center. And Terrence Ross, he's been here for three weeks. That's who you started with. They go on a 10-0 run. By the time you bring back Book and Okoji, you know, Okoji's got four fouls, an ish. You bring those guys back, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's 102-100. So you might have brought those guys back too late. And I know you're trying to give Book rest. You mentioned that earlier, but they brought him back with about seven minutes to go. 6.55, exactly. Ross, Lee, and Baisley go out. So I pay attention to these substitution patterns all the time. And I think what Monty's doing here is trying to go with his best offensive lineups to outscore guys and then mixing and matching uh, at the end of the game. At the end of the game in the final two minutes, I'm going to get fouls. I'm going to get whistles. I'm going to substitute offense for defense. I'm going to get Tory in, and I'm going to get uh, Tory Craig in, and I'm going to get a Koji in. Then I'm going to take those guys out, and I'm going to get Ross in, and I'm going to get Damian Lee in. So he's got his favorites. He has his favorites on offense and his favorites on defense, but it's not 
it's more or less that he's using it more so towards the end of game situations than for long stretches of times during a certain quarter, if that makes any sense. No, it does make sense. And, and I, this goes back to something that, that you and I were talking about last week and, and something I really believe with this roster, the way it's constructed right now and until they get KD back. And I, I want to say this, too. Not having DeAndre Ayton yesterday, that was obviously a really big deal. He, he's he, And I get it. We all have moments with DA where we love him, moments where we don't love him so much. I think he could have really helped in a game like that because I think he would have he would have stemmed the tide defensively and he would have helped out with those small ball lineups. So I think they really missed him. But that being what it was, I, I think for me, part of the problem right now with the roster, the way it's constructed until they get KD back, man, they got a bunch of guys who are either really good offensively or really good defensively. And there's not a real good mix right now, right? Like you're either good at one and not at the other. And and it, it seems like Monty, I mean, yesterday he had eight guys who played between 12 and 21 minutes. He was trying everything yesterday, trying every known combination just to find the right mix of offensive-minded players on the floor, to your point, with defensive-minded on the players on the floor. And he never found it because he doesn't really have a lot of guys who are all of that in one, right? Who's They're, they're good offensively and defensively. He's got a lot of one-way players out there. And I think it, I, I, he just struggled yesterday. He struggled to find the right combination. And he admitted as much after the game. Yeah, I you know, and and he once he got to that lineup where you know when Ross Lee and Baisley went out, and then he had Book and Akoji, and then Chris Paul comes back into the game. Um, you know, I think he kind of felt like, okay, this is my group to close with. This is my group. I'm going to close with those guys. And you know, for the most part, I mean, Paul, I mean, Chris Paul made a beautiful block on Wiggins. Oh, sure, very late in the game, a beautiful block. And then, um, but you know, Tory Tory Craig with an offensive foul. I mean, how many times has an offensive foul hurt this team in the last 25 seconds of a basketball game in the last 10 days? Quite a few times. Yeah. Quite a few times. I mean, they've had you know bad offensive fouls. A couple of them with Devin Booker. So that's a turnover right there. And then Shea Gilgis Alexander scores over Torrey, and it's one seventeen one oh nine. So and then yesterday, I mean, he's trying to incorporate Landry back. Landry misses twenty five games. He's trying to incorporate him back in to the lineup. So the only you know I think the only guy that didn't play was T J Warren. If I'm correct, right? I believe you're correct. Yeah, Darius yeah. Baisley even got in the game yesterday. I, and I look, I get it. We at the end of last week. We were talking about too many minutes for Devin Booker. Got to back off Devin Booker. You can't overwork Devin Booker. So I, I get trying to hesitate putting him into that game yesterday and waiting as long as you could because you don't want to burn the guy out before the playoffs start. But that is just the finest line that Monty is walking. That being said, here's something else we have to talk about yesterday's game, and that's the officiating. You can't keep complaining about the officials when you know we look at all these teams that we're playing and we're giving up 36 free throws. You know, we just got to be able to guard the ball without slapping down and, and be okay with that. And so it's a, it's a tough loss because uh, we felt like we had control of the game. Look, Gambo, you know I'm a huge Devin Booker fan, about as big a Devin Booker fan as you can find. I, I am hyper-focused on him during games because I want him to succeed and I want him to do well. He's got to get these referees out of his head. He's got to, uh, because it, 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 you can just see he's like obsessed with it out there, right? Like if he doesn't yes. get a call, seems like every trip down the floor, if he doesn't get the same call that Shea Gilgis-Alexander gets or Giannis Antetokounmpo gets, it, 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 it looks like it's getting in his head to the point where I'm like watching him 
follow the ball handler back down the floor on defense. And he's like poking at the ball and poking at the player. And I think because he's just frustrated that he didn't get the call on the other end, he's got to get it out of his head. Chris does it too, but not to the same level as Book. This is starting to become a problem. They've got to not obsess about the calls no, but, they're not getting. What was the play towards the end of the game? Shea, was it the He fouled Shea Gil. I think it was Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He fouls him, and he's complaining about it, and then they show the replay. I'm like, okay, you hammered him. You, you fouled him. You hammered I, him. I think EJ even said, that's a foul. That's you a foul. Hammered, you, you hammered him. Yeah. Like, you're sitting, you're trying to get a, I mean, it was a clear cut. Like, you literally, you hammered him. Like, you got all arm, all arm. Yeah. And he's sitting there and he's complaining. He wants to get the call. And then, you know, like, okay, let's see the replay. They showed the replay. And it's like, okay, come on, man. Like, that's, that's like, like my, my, my 14 year old daughter would have called out a foul. Like, that's a foul. Like, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Like, you get, you, like, you can only cry wolf so many times, right? You only can. so many times can you cry wolf? You, you 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 can, and you can only you can only ask for those things so many times before you just have to get past it and focus. And, and this is something we've seen from Devin Booker. And again, I this is I'm criticizing Devin Booker. I'm one of his biggest fans. I I, I want him to succeed at the highest levels, but this is one of those things he's got to be careful with because he might not be getting calls because of it. He might. Might not be getting calls because he right. spends so much time trying to get a call. I get it, and I heard. I even heard the frustration during the broadcast yesterday. Shea Gilgis Alexander didn't get called for his first foul until what, like the fourth quarter of that game. Yeah, K Ray even pointed out that's the that's first, first foul. foul, and I so I understand that we want the same treatment for Devin Booker, but you can't go asking for it every trip down the floor because you're just not going to get no, it. And it's I the think boy it, who cried wolf. Yep. It really is. I mean, if if you if he just stops doing it. Then when he actually does complain about a foul, like they'll take you more seriously. Like okay, like you know, but you, but the, you know, what are the refs? What do you think the refs will say say about Chris Paul and Devin? Oh man, I guess those guys think there's a foul on every play. Like you got to tune the, you got to tune them out, okay? Because they're gonna cry for they're gonna cry for a call every single time. So you know, the guys that don't complain a whole lot, they're the guys when they do complain, the refs are more likely to be like, oh okay, I must have missed that one. So like once the call is made, it's made. There's nothing you can do. You can't do anything about it. So like you know you know what's what's your end game here? What's your benefit? It doesn't pay to you know cry about every single call, and um, I think it's I, I mean I think it's clearly working again. I think it's clearly working against them. Yeah, Rock and Roll Hall of Famers Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks are heading to Chase Field for one night, one night only on December eighth. Tickets go on sale this Friday at ten a.m. You can win a pair of tickets right now by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. The Cardinals have brought in a new face into the wide receiver room. Of course, they haven't subtracted from the wide receiver room yet. We're all waiting. That's next to the Burns and Gambo Show. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter Poll, presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, Eric Ruby is here. He's got our Twitter Poll question of the day. Rubes, take it away. What you got for us on this Monday? Well, you guys just touched on it. The relationship between the Phoenix Suns and the referees is uh, pretty bad right now, it appears like. So bad that I'm not making this up. The official NBA referee Twitter account tweeted out a whole video and a tweet talking about how Giannis's shoulder through Tory Craig was actually a foul on Tory Craig. So the relationship between the Suns and the refs are it's, not great. It's strained right now, strained to say the least. Might need a little sure. counseling. Yeah, a little couples counseling for the Suns and the refs. Yes. So our question today is, does that worry you for when they make it to the postseason? Yes or no? Sure. 
They don't let it go. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's funny. It doesn't concern me. <laughs> this is going to sound strange, maybe to some. It doesn't concern me from the referee standpoint. It concerns me from the Sun standpoint. Like, move on. Move on. Uh, at some point, you just got to go. Th- at some point, just go. Play basketball and quit worrying about the calls that you're not getting because I, I, I do think they're hyper-obsessing over some of these calls. So, yes, I think it could be. You guys want to guess the percentages on this one? Um, 70-30. I think that's a good call. 70-30 that it is a concern. It's close, but it's 79.3% saying, yes, they do believe that this will be a problem when they reach the postseason. 20.7% say no, so a near 80-20 split in favor of yes. It's a problem. We're going to keep talking about this over the course of the day. Obviously, Dave King, our friends over Bright Side of the Sun, I just kind of perused it during the break. Story about how the Phoenix Suns, in terms of how many free throw attempts the other team takes, how many they take the disparity between the two. It's something that we got to keep an eye on, but it's something the Suns, and you heard Monty talk about it, we have to get better. We have to not foul so much on the other end. The Suns are simply fouling the other team too much so far. All right, uh, that's the poll question. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. Gambo, let's turn our attention to the Arizona Cardinals and the not-as-of-yet-happening trade of DeAndre Hopkins. It has not happened yet, and that being said, there have been a bunch of things that have happened to the Cardinals, when it comes to the wide receiver room and maybe where they might be trading DeAndre Hopkins to, let's start with what they did. The Cardinals signed Zach Paschal on a two-year deal today. Used to be with the Eagles, used to be with the Colts. He's obviously got a connection with Jonathan Gannon because of that. Um, he's more of a role player, slot guy, special teams player. I don't think anyone's looking at Zach Paschal as like the, the answer for the Cardinals at wide receiver. No, no. But it is a move made for them, to say the least. And we haven't had a lot of those. He's a fourth or fifth wide receiver at best. I mean, it was a non-factor for the Eagles uh, for the most part. I mean, he's a special teams guy, slot receiver. Um... You know, he's a blocker. I mean, he's a pretty good blocker, but there was very little chance that he was going to stay. They, you know, they, they traded for A.J. Brown last year. Uh, they didn't go out in free agency and do very much, so they traded for A.J. Brown. Um, but there was some familiarity with Sirianni and Pascal, but they, they brought him in. But 15 catches and 69 yards over the last 13 games. 15 catches, 69 yards over the last 13. Yeah. Like he's, he's not a guy that you're looking at. He's just a piece of guy. He can block. He's adept at the position, but he's not a, not a guy that's going to help you win football games. He's a bigger guy, which is something they don't have a lot of at the position, assuming they trade DeAndre Hopkins. More on that in just a moment. Marquise Brown is obviously smaller. Rondell Moore is obviously smaller. He did have a production season, productive season in 2020. Uh, 44 catches, 629 yards, five touchdowns. But you're right. Nobody is looking at him and thinking anything more than a fourth wide receiver on this team. And certainly by no means the answer. Just some familiarity, you know, going back to some of the things that Jonathan Gannon talked about when he got the job, you know, wanting violence, wanting toughness, wanting competitiveness. I can't remember the exact four things he said he wanted, but it seems like Zach Pascal checks a few of those boxes without being anything from elite. I, I think the question all of us have now is after what happened in the wide receiver market over the weekend, what is going on with the Cardinals and DeAndre Hopkins? Because the Cowboys went and got Brandon Cooks this weekend, and the Patriots have signed Juju Smith. 
Smith-Schuster. And the Panthers have added Adam Thielen. And you're starting to look at the wide receiver moves made by teams that I think we all would have said would have been logical landing spots for DeAndre Hopkins. And it leads yourself to wonder if the Cardinals have overplayed their hand a little bit with Hop. Yeah, no, it's a fair question. I mean, that's a really fair question. Do they overplay their hand? Do they ask for too much? I mean, you know, the one thing that I thought was very much in their favor is that, the, I mean, the guys you mentioned, you know, nothing against them. They're not on the same level as DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Brandon Cooks is a nice player. Adam Thielen's a nice player. DeAndre Hopkins is a true number one wide receiver. And you don't have to get a first-round pick to get him. At least that's the thought. So why would nobody trade from him? I mean, is it the money? I mean, is it a financial thing? Like, I don't want to take that much on in cap space and redo the contract. But it it it, it does lead to a lot of questions as to... You know, are you going to be able to move the Andre Hopkins? And now, like with the Dallas, okay, Dallas is out. And then it was the thing. I think you said. I think I saw it from you. I mean, he, he they follow Mac Jones from the Patriots. A friend of mine, friend of mine, Scott sent me that on. Uh, he sent me a text today, and he's like, "Hey, look at this. DeAndre Hopkins is following Mac Jones on Instagram." Right, I'm like, "All right, I thank you. I guess it I, means something. I guess you know? it might mean something. I don't know. Apparently, the same thing happened last week with um, who was it? Mike Jacecki. Um, he he followed Mac Jones on Instagram right before he ended up going to New England. So maybe I don't know. Maybe Maybe there's something there or not. Gambo, I I think part of the answer lies in what the Cowboys had to give up to get Brandon Cooks. A fifth rounder this year, a sixth rounder next year. Crazy, right? Uh, Right. I I mean, so if you're the the Cowboys, and I don't know what the Cardinals are asking for. It's been speculated that it's a day two pick, a second rounder or a third rounder. So you're thinking, I can get Brandon Cooks to go along with C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup because he's back. And all it costs me is a fifth this year and a sixth next year. Or I can give up a second or a third round pick to get DeAndre Hopkins. I'd rather not give up that inventory. I think I can do just as well getting or maybe slightly less getting Brandon Cooks than giving up a second or a third yeah. round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. I that was don't, in, know, it I was don't know that's what's going on, but it's it's hard to think that it's not. Yeah, it's interesting because the first thought was in, in Dallas was, okay, that takes them out of the flirtation with Odell Beckham Jr. That's yeah. done. But you, you give up pick number 161 in the sixth round of the next year for a good wide receiver. Um, the Texans are paying $6 million of the money guaranteed to Cooks to facilitate the deal. Like, is that an issue with Hopkins? Do you have to, have to pay some money? So now that 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 moved his base salary to twelve million, which is more manageable for the Cowboys for this upcoming season. He's got two years left on his deal. He'd like to restructure it. I'm sure that's very similar to Hopkins with a couple years left. They would like to restructure it. Cowboys, you know, wanted to upgrade their wide receiver position, um, and they were able to get it done. Now. Uh, the Cowboys had talked with Houston about Cooks uh, many months ago, but they weren't able to get a deal done at the before the trade deadline in November, and that's when Beckham came into play. And but, and they flirted with Beckham, but they end up making this deal for Cooks. What does it mean for DeAndre Hopkins? I'm definitely in in agreement with you. I'm a little worried that you might have overplayed your hand a little bit. I mean, here we are. It's getting towards the end of March, and he hasn't been traded yet. Um, there are teams that you would have felt, okay, these teams are interested, and now you got to take them off. And the other thing is, as more teams go away, okay, we're not interested in him now. Well, then that probably changes. You know, you don't have the same leverage to try to get what you want out of a team because there's less.
best teams in the market for him. Yeah, no doubt. Um, to your point about the Cowboys going after another wide receiver, this is Jeremy Fowler from ESPN yesterday. Are the Cowboys still interested in another wide receiver after getting Brandon Cooks? Here's what he said. I wouldn't eliminate anything, but now that if they're going to pay Cooks another, say, $12 million along with the big salaries they already have on the books, that might take them out, or at least makes it more challenging to get Odell Beckham. I know they've had interest in Beckham. He's going to command top dollar, too, though. Uh, so there are going to be teams interested and in, in, in the mix. So Dallas could poke around a little bit, but I've gotten the impression that they're not looking to be big spenders in free agency necessarily. If he were to fall to them with a more reasonable price, then maybe that would happen. Yeah, and then on the other side of this coin is it it might be a reflection, too, of Odell Beckham Jr. Maybe his asking price is a little high right now, and other teams are looking at, at other options. I th- think you're right, though. I think beyond what the Cardinals might be asking, the fact that that Brandon Cooks restructured his contract so that Houston will pay some of it and Dallas will pay the rest, and it's only costing Dallas $12 million, that might be something that's holding this up as well from the Cardinal standpoint and from Hop's standpoint. Because I'm sure Hop is thinking, you know, I have no guaranteed money left on my deal. I want to restructure my deal. I, I, I want more guaranteed money. I've hired an agent this time around with this contract. That might be another complicating factor for all of this too. I still think he gets moved. I'm just I'm really starting to wonder if we all need to collectively reassess how much we think the Cardinals are going to get for DeAndre Hopkins and then I guess have a real conversation about whether that's worth it or not. Because remember, if you don't move him you're probably going to have to restructure his contract anyway. He's $31 million against the cap next year. I don't think you want DeAndre Hopkins with a $31 million cap hit next year. You're going to have to move some money around to make that happen. Yeah, and then you take the risk that if he gets injured, you're on the hook for all that money. Yes. So that's the fact. That's why you'd like to move him. You'd like to move him because if he plays and he gets hurt in training camp or week one or week two, you're not trading him at the deadline, and you've, and you've got to pay him all of that money. So that's another fact trying to trade him. I mean, Beck, one of the things over the weekend with Odell Beckham Jr. really came down to like money. Like There were some reports that he wants $20 million, and he made it clear, like, I wasn't asking for 20 I'm just saying $4 million's too low, which kind of leads you to believe the teams are kind of lowballing Odell. Odell Beckham Jr. to his belief lowballing him. Yeah, yeah. It's something that's definitely, I, I really thought this was going to happen by now. I thought this would have happened by now. There, can, You sent me a speculative story about Kansas City and whether he might end up there because they lost Juju Smith-Schuster to New England and McCole Hardman potentially that could lose him also. So I, I guess that's something else to keep an eye on. But um, it's it's. I thought I would have thought this thing would have been done by now, Gambo. I really would have. I'm very surprised that it's not. When we yeah, come- they don't want to get stuck with them, Bernsey. No, they don't. They don't want to get stuck with them. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, if it makes you feel any better, Sun Devil fans, you weren't the only ones upset this past weekend. That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Seven seconds. Miles with it. Six seconds. Five. Coles with four. Coles with three. Coles drives. The floater is good. With 1.5 seconds left, Collins fires from backcourt. He can't get it to fall. And Arizona State season has come to an end. <laughs> I'm, I'm, la- I'm not laughing at the Sun Devils. I'm really not. I'm laughing because I was just thinking about how Gambo and I kind of have this rule where like Friday nights is a no sports zone. Like we've been watching sports all week as a courtesy to our wives. We 
We don't watch a lot of sports on Friday night. We kind of watch what the wives want to watch because we've been watching sports all week. Gambo, I got alerts about that game all night Friday night. At one point, I looked over at the decision maker and I'm like, honey, do you, do you mind if I, I, I gotta put, I gotta put this on. I gotta, they, they might, they might win. I gotta get, she's like, yeah, go ahead. It's fine. I'll just sit here and read or whatever. I put it on just in time to Why see Why can't them. she watch the game and enjoy it with you? My wife watched the game with me. She's got a bracket filled out. Uh, well, one, she doesn't have a bracket. And two, she's, she's a very casual sports fan at best. Friday nights belong to us. We, we, we don't, you know, it belongs to, we don't watch a lot of sports on Friday. You have the same rule as I do, right? You we, don't watch a lot we of tried, sports we on Friday. We try not to. But we we definitely watched the ASU game. Yeah, I've watched together. it. Well, once I got the alerts that they were winning, I'm like, oh, I got to watch this. I tuned in just in time to see them. They were blow up 11. like an eight point lead with three minutes or four minutes to go. Right, four minutes into the second half, they're up eleven. Yeah. ASU's up eleven, and uh, man, it just came down to that that final shot, the floater. It was, uh, you know, it was a uh, Miles. You know, make you know who, who Miles, who, who's great, passes up the shot. Uh, Throws it to uh, let's see the guy that made the shot. I can't remember his name. And uh, uh, Coles, it was Coles, uh, Jacoby Coles, Jacoby Coles, and he play, puts that little floater up and in. And oh man, it was. I was rooting for ASU. I truly was. I mean, it's it's because you know why? Because it sucks that we're here now and none of the local teams are in. GCU lost to Gonzaga. They stayed with them for a little while, but eventually Gonzaga pulled away. And in ASU, it would be nice to have a local team in to root for. Just, you know, one. And I know a lot of ASU fans can't root for U of A and vice versa, but for a lot of us who don't have any ties, yeah. you know, we, you know, we'd like to see a local team go a little bit, you know, go further in this thing. But TCU's defense kind of, kind of, Tightened up a little bit, and then they eventually tied it at 54 with about nine minutes minutes left. And ASU pulled away again with a little bit of a run. Then TCU got their first lead, about four minutes left in the game. They got their lead, and then it just back and forth until Coles hits that, hits that floater at the end of the game. Yeah, when, TJ, when DJ Horn hit that three to tie it, I, it really had my attention then because I thought we'd be going in overtime or something like that. TCU did really well in two. Elements of that game. They forced a bunch of turnovers, 13. They got 17 points off of those turnovers. That was something we talked a lot about going into Friday's game. And then the offensive glass, they, they had 14 offensive boards that led to 15 second chance points in that game. And those two things got them. And Bobby Hurley, after the game, really heartbroken for his guys. Just heartbroken for these guys giving me everything they had all year. Just uh, really. Uh, uh, advanced Arizona State basketball and, uh, you know, played winning basketball all year, you know, played unselfishly, played resilient, battled and fought, and it would take, you know, the last shot, you know, to put us away. Um, so I'm uh, just extremely proud and have all the respect in the world for our effort tonight. It was heartbreaking. It just, it seemed so winnable for them. I mean, it was right there. And those last four minutes just doomed oh, them. Absolutely that, doomed them. That DJ Horn basket that you mentioned mentioned that tied it. That was the only basket they made in the final three and a half minutes. Felt like it. It was. It was <laughs> the only basket they made. Watching that game, it felt like the only basket they made. They were so cold the last few minutes of that game. So they're out. You mentioned GCU. They're out. Obviously, U of A, they're out. Um, as it turns out, a whole bunch of teams are out. Rob, and that will do it.
makes a one. Now, that obviously happened Friday when we were still on the air. That's right. Everybody was buzzing about that a whole weekend long that a 16 would beat a one. And they played a competitive game yesterday against Florida Atlantic, but ultimately Florida Atlantic won. And they kept a 16 out of the Sweet 16. It would have been the first time a 16 seed had gotten to the Sweet 16. They don't get there. But, Gambo, here we are going into the Sweet 16. Two number one seeds are out. Two number two seeds are out. A number three seed is out. And you've got a Sweet 16 that includes a 15 seed, a nine seed, an eight seed in Arkansas. A typically crazy March Madness bracket in many ways. Yeah. I mean, that was a tough matchup for Kansas, you know, against Arkansas in the second round. Because Arkansas is pretty good. But Kansas was the top seed in the West. They lose that game 72 to 71. Only three times have no, multiple number one seeds failed to reach the Sweet 16 before this year. Since the NCAA tournament expanded, and that was in 1985, there's been only three times that multiple number one seeds failed to reach the Sweet 16. It was 2000, 2004, 2018, and now this year with no Purdue and no Kansas. It's funny because, so Burnsy, like, you know, on my, on my kids' baseball team, the two fathers I hang out with, one went to Purdue, one went to Kansas. <laughs> so right after our and they they know I root for U of A. So right after U of A lost, you know, I took a little bit of a you know text message beating. Right? Okay, all right, yeah. all right, okay. And then I was rooting so hard for Purdue to lose so I could get back at Nick Middleton <laughs> and a Purdue lost. And then I, then right after that, I'm like, all we need now is for Arkansas to beat Kansas, baby. And then uh, Justin's like, come on, what's with all the heat? And then when they beat them, I said, look, misery needs company. Yeah, Welcome well, to the club. Misery got company. I was thinking misery about got it, company. In, in some ways, I, I mean, you think about you think about these teams that are out. All right, maybe not Marquette as much. I'd have to go back and look at their tournament history. Kansas, Purdue, Arizona. These are teams that historically are very boomer busts in the tournament and have had a lot of busts. I mean, there are three teams that, and I understand this goes back years and years and years for players that aren't even in basketball anymore, but there are just certain programs that it feels like it's a struggle for them this time of year. I know Kansas just won the championship last year, but their tournament history suggests that oftentimes they get bounced a little earlier than they're supposed to. Purdue, Purdue lost to a 16 this year, a 15 last year, a 13 the year before that, right? I mean, it's really been a struggle for them. And then Arizona, we all know about the struggles of Arizona dating back 30 years in this tournament, and really not even that long when you count like Buffalo and some of the others. So in some ways, a lot of these programs that we're kind of used to seeing not doing well didn't do well this year in the tournament. It's, it's kind of yeah. consistent in that regard. Yeah, I remember Marquette in a Final Four when, you know, like 20 years ago or something like that. I think I think Tom Crean was the coach. But I do remember Marquette in a Final Four. I don't know what they've done recently. I don't remember anything really big recently, Sweet 16s or anything. But I do remember Marquette as a Final Four team a while ago, like a while ago. So that's – but, uh, you know – since then, no, I don't remember anything. Yeah. But they got upset. You know, obviously that was a big upset with them going down. I had them in my final. That's the only Final Four team I've lost. I had them in a the Final Four. But this year's bracket was, I mean, Houston and Bama I felt really good about. I didn't feel really good about anybody else. Like, I did have Kansas only winning the one game and losing to Arkansas. I did have Purdue only winning one game. Um, I did have Marquette winning a couple. 
Arizona, I had them in the Elite Eight, and they didn't even win a game. So it's been, the, the brackets have been uh, – that's why so many people are still in it, right? Even though you, you, you saw – you had Arizona going far, or you had Purdue going to the to the Elite Eight, or you had Kansas going to the Final Four. You, you can still be in it because there's been a lot of surprises. Yeah, I, I, I feel like – I mean, just selfishly looking at my bracket, I feel like I'm okay because, you know, even though I didn't do great in the Sweet 16, I, I – all right, so my Elite Eight, I've only got five of the eight left. But I've got all of my final four left, so obviously I still have Houston cutting down the nets. I still feel good about that, um, and, and I I think some of those losses, like if you had Kansas going far, right? Obviously Arizona going far, Purdue going far, you're you're kind of screwed right now. If you had Marquette going far, you're kind of screwed right now. But I, I feel pretty good that I still have all four of my final four teams based off of yeah. what you've seen. If you could redo anything about your bracket, would you change anything about who you? pick to win it all who did you have winning it all by the way so i i was really confident in both bama and houston so on the bracket the bracket one that i that we submitted online i took bama over houston and then the 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 money one with like anthony i put houston over bama okay so that's the only things that i split i didn't do two brackets i didn't do anything else i just in the um in the one i'm in with all of you guys that's online arizonasports.com and you could go see it in that one i do have bama over houston and i also have ucla in the final four okay yeah and, and I, uh in the one that like i filled out and i gave to anthony i just took houston over bama i am already so looking forward to gonzaga versus ucla I, oh i know that's, that gonna be great I, that's gonna be great i mean just the rematch and and all of that. Yeah, I don't think I changed anything either. I've got Houston beating Bama. I don't think I changed a thing on that one. Bama looks, Bama looks so good. Bama looks really good. Bracket busted? Don't worry. March Maniacs, March Maniacs, you still have a shot at $500. Text the word Bucks to 62620. We'll send you a link to fill out your 16-team bracket. That's Bucks to 62620. It's the Arizona Sports Bracket Bucks presented by Santan Ford and Schwartz Laser Eye Center. What would a complete... NFL draft look like for the Arizona Cardinals. We'll give you a sampling next on the Burns and Gambo Show.